Welcome to CruxCast. Whether you're in your car, at work, or at home, we hope you enjoy this interview. And if you do, you can find more like it on cruxinvestor.com. So please subscribe. We talk today to Peter Dazzler, who's the CEO of Can Alaska Uranium. They're a junior miner in the Athabasca Basin. We discuss their imminent fundraise of $2.5 million and what they hope to do with that. Plus, he discusses getting a strategic partner on board. Hello, Peter. How are you, sir? Well, I'm great today. Uh, we've had a, had a good week. We've announced the financing, so it's it's a good start. Okay, before we get into that, let's uh, get that one-minute summary out of the way, and then we can uh, get into some of the detail. Okay. Well, we're, we've been in the uranium business for some time. Uh, we've, we've gone through the Fukushima downturn. We've seen an uptick on that. But we're still holding a very large land position in the Athabasca, and we have a brand new discovery next door to the MacArthur River uranium mine. Now, we've been drilling into 8% uranium this summer. Uh, We've established that the zone is about two kilometers long. Uh, We've only got 10 holes, so we're very early stage. But this looks like it's a very big target that could develop substantially in the next round of drilling. Okay, beautiful, beautiful summary. So, um, Peter, let's start with you. So what's your experience with regards to uranium specifically? Share that with people, please. Well, my first interest in uranium was uh, in the mid-1990s, and uh, the uranium price had gone from $9 up to uh, $14, and I thought, well, maybe I could get involved in that. Um, But there just wasn't the general interest in the market. Uh, In the late 80s, I'd been working on a gold project with Cameco, and I sort of knew that there were discoveries to be made out there because they'd made the, the MacArthur River discovery at that time, and Cameco was changing from a gold company into uranium company in 1995. So I could see the potential. It wasn't until 2004 uh, when I had a company that I was managing uh, and I was flying on an pl- airplane and I read that the Russians weren't selling any more uranium. And that said, now's the time to get back in uranium. And, and in the next year, we accumulated over 2 million acres of land. Uh, you know, Cameco had, be, had turned from that gold company into the biggest uranium mining company in there at that time. And I said, if they can do that in 10 years, how, how could we do that? And my exploration manager, uh, Dr. Carl Scheman, had been the geologist who drilled the very first hole and the very first high-grade uranium projects called Sigalek back in 1981. So Carl joined me. And in fact, I think his first comment to me is that, You've staked some ground where I think we can find another uranium deposit like Cigar Lake. And I said, come and join me. So we've worked together for 14 years and we've found something. Right. So at the moment, you're, sit- you're sitting on quite a bit of land. I saw a fantastic map in the uh, one of your presentations. You sort of overlaid the Athabasca Basin over the United Kingdom and uh, then indica- marked up your, your properties. I mean, it's pretty vast. Well, it's it's quite different. You know, when you're in uranium exploration, it's not, I've got a, a claim down there and it's, you know, five acres. You know, it's not 50 feet wide and 200 feet long. Mm. We're talking on our West MacArthur property alone, which is about 30 by 40 kilometers in size. And so uh, we're in northern parts of Saskatchewan. It's a big open area where there's been many discoveries. Uh, a lot of small uranium deposits have been found, but there have been three very large ones found. Uh, the latest one there is NextGen. Uh, they created a, a billion-dollar company over three years with 200 million pounds of uranium. Mm. But these mines are so different to anything else. It's so fascinating as geologists to go in there and look for these sorts of targets 
because we now know the footprint of them. We now know what they look like when you fly an airborne survey. We now know what they look like when you do a ground survey. And as you start to drill holes, you start to see these halos around these targets um, that maybe you'll be, you know, 100, 200 meters out, and you'll start to see indications that you've got another uranium zone building. Um, uranium is very strategic. So I like that for the, the geological aspect, the strategic aspect, and it's quite political too. So uh, being in the Athabasca, we have got these giant discoveries and really all since 1981. Um, I think there's lots more opportunity there and I like, like what we're doing and our shareholders have supported us. So. Okay, well, let's let's get into this because Athabasca Basin, you know, high grade, well known, but there's lots of companies, and the, and as the price discovery comes back for uranium in the market, there's going to be lots more companies. So I want to get at today with your help uh, and a better understanding of how investors looking at Can Alaska as the as a potential uranium investment, how they're going to make money. You know, how are you going to help them understand how you're going to make money for them? So can we, do you mind if we go through that process? Well, yes, let's, let's go through it. When you go out to look for a uranium deposit, you've got to have some parameters, you know, and we're going to look for something that's 5 million pounds of uranium, which is pretty much near the average world size, or am I going to look for something that's 600 million pounds like the Caltha River? Well, we decided we were going to go for that 600 million pound target. And the reason why is that we figured we could see that using modern airborne geophysics. And in 2004, we cornered a number of uh, properties in the basin. We went out and staked them ourselves, but we staked them as posted stamps over targets that we already knew that there was some break in the rocks. We, we had uh, $90 million of government information to sort of process and look for these breaks and gaps. And we staked them. And then the gamble was, can we see something at half a mile depth? Because obviously the ground that was available, it was the ground that wasn't held for those 20 years by the big major companies. They had held all of the shallow ground. But we said the belt of rocks goes through on the east side. Uh, there's obviously more opportunities as you go deeper into the basin, but can you find them? Um, I've been working with Anglo-American and they had a, a brand new aircraft that uh, called their Spectrum system that we calculated we could see down at least a kilometer using that system. And uh, in 2004, I talked to them and then uh, a group called with Megatem system came up. They said, we've just doubled the power on our, our new system, new airborne system. Do you want to try it at West MacArthur? Mm -hmm. um, so, we, we use modern geophysics to sort of pinpoint our targets. And we in the first airborne survey, we saw alteration uh, down to 800 meters. So for a start, you had to find out whether you wanted to go for a small target or a big target. And they had to work out whether you had the technology to go find it. We found that technology, we found the targets, and then we didn't stop. Can I just ask you about the technology? Sorry, are you saying this is propri proprietary uh, technology that you've used that others haven't thought about using? I mean, what, why is this unique to you? The, the Anglo-American Spectrum system was proprietary and we didn't know if we'd be able to get it, but I'd been working with them and we'd done some calculations to see whether you could see through half a mile of sandstone, 800 meters down. And yes, they reported to me they could. 
But the commercial version of it, uh, the Megatem, uh, at that stage it was flying in a Dash 8 aircraft and it had a significant amount of power, but not as much as the Anglo system. Uh, but they came to us and they said they've doubled the power and they'd like to try it on our property because they'd heard what we were trying to do. Right. Uh, so we were the first to fly that, that airborne system in vicinity of MacArthur River and we found our target. Right. So on, on the basis of that technology, you said, I'm going to stake some of this, these properties out. And you did that you know, some, some time ago now. You've been sitting on that quite a while. Um, why have you not done anything with that since that time? You've been, I mean, it's, it's quite, a, quite a time. I mean, how many years have you been sitting on this? Well, it was really 2005 to 2011. Uh, we, knew that, uh, we knew that you had to do um, groundwork, airborne work, groundwork, and then start drilling. And we knew that we didn't have enough money to do in a junior company. So we went out and, and talked to Mitsubishi Corporation, and they formed a company called MC Resources and came and joined us to explore the West MacArthur property. We also went out to Koreas and Kepco in Korea, and, and a consortium from Korea came in and funded the exploration on another project. Now, these programs were very methodical. Uh, we, we would do geophysics uh, on the year one year, we'd do geophysics on the ground the next year, and then we would work into doing a drill hole, and then that was one zone taken care of, but we were prepping the next zone. So it took us four years to get around this project, just progressively, because it's not, as I said, it's not 50 meters wide by 300 meters long. It's 20 by 30 kilometers. And, and we knew we had a certain amount of time. We just didn't expect that we would be halted in our tracks uh, with the Fukushima event uh, that happened. Right. Okay. And obviously, the market's done what it's done since Fukushima. Um, so that business model that you decided to go with was you know, bringing strategic partners in and, and, and working with them to carefully stake out the, the, the property and try and understand what you had. Has that affected your thinking currently? Are you sticking with the same model? Are you, because of the way things have panned out previously, have you changed your approach to how you're going about it now? No, we're pretty much the same. Uh, the, the project that we had with Mitsubishi, uh, uh, it got to a stage where uh, they said they couldn't fund uh, at that time. And uh, so we bought them out, uh, gave them a royalty. Uh, we still could communicate. Uh, but we went and within a month we had a deal with Kamika Corporation. And they spent, uh, over the last three years, they've spent $5 million and made a discovery uh, on one of the zones that Mitsubishi and ourselves were working on. So, yes, we're continuing to do that. Um, we, we, we did a couple of other deals recently, uh, one with, um, with, Ang, with uh, De Beers on a diamond project, mm. but that's really our, our model. Keep our shareholding uh, low, uh, not, too many, uh, uh, not too many shares issued, uh, keep our costs down, and then work as basically contractors for the sovereign funds or larger companies. Right. Okay. So, so just on the Cameco component, so what, what is their relationship to Can Alaska now? We, we entered into agreement with Cameco for them to earn 30% interest in the West MacArthur property. And they earned that interest last December 16th, and uh, a year ago. Right. And, by, uh, by, spending stage, five, by spending the $5 million. That's correct. Right. They okay. spent $5 million and they earned the 30%. That 30% uh, interest, the, the drill holes they drilled, 
showed us that we had lots of uranium mineralization in the sandstone, large halos over a two kilometer length and uh, some 5% uranium at the unconformant. Right, so now, Cameco, we, we fully expected that Cameco would continue to spend, but being the market where it is and their, their corporate decisions, they decided that 30% interest is where they should stay for the next year or so. Um, and so we put our running shoes on. We hadn't been raising money, we hadn't been spending money, mm-hmm. but we saw an opportunity. When we saw two drill intersections with 5% uranium and a halo that went 800 meters above the unconformity with copper, nickel, uh, uh, mineralization in it, we said, if we keep working around this area, we should fence into the center of the target. Cameco hadn't hit the center of the target. Uh, Two kilometers east, however, on the same horizon, they had hit a target, 68 million pounds of 8% uranium. So we knew we were on a fertile system. We knew we had two drill holes into it. And and uh, Corey Bielik, uh, my my uh, uh, operations officer, said, Peter, we've got the tiger by the tail. Can we raise the money? I said, yes, we will. So in, uh, in April this year, we went out and we raised enough money just to drill six or eight drill holes at that target. And we fenced either side of the target and got similar mineralization. But as we worked to the south, we saw more and more uranium. We saw 8% uranium in our last hole. And we also saw 6% copper and 6% zinc. So we saw this zoning as we went to the south. So the last thing we did before we left in September was we used some downhole geophysics to see putting electrical cables down the, the holes to see where the real break in the rocks was. Where's the conductor? because that conductor's got graphite, and that's where you get most of the uranium precipitate. Well, it's 40 meters behind that last drill hole. And that makes sense completely in terms of what we were seeing in the geology. The rocks went from greenish, lightly altered with 5% uranium to completely altered, squeeze the rocks in your hands, clay with 8% uranium. Copper went from 0.1 to 6%. The halo grew larger as we went to the south. And we saw these big breaks in the rocks that kept pointing us behind us. Um, we know we've got a very big target there. We just haven't drilled a hole into it. So you asked me earlier, how does our shareholders get returned? The next four or five drill holes should go into that center of that zone. And that can be the return for our shareholders. Right. So you, okay. So you get heavily mineralized. Well, the, the drill holes have been heavily mineralized. Okay. Um, but you haven't had enough money to be able to go into a drill program. You've just done a, a raise of some capital. And I do want to talk about that in a second, but just back on the Cameco component. So they, they spent five million bucks. They decided to step back because this is an option for the option play for them, I guess. They've got their own problems. Um, when you were thinking, right, I we need to get after this. We think there's something here. Clearly, you would have spoken to Cameco and tried to persuade them to continue spending money. I mean, what, what, what was their reasoning to you that for not going forward? From what I understand, they had two other large projects that consumed all of their budgets. If they didn't drill on those projects, they would lose them. So they could either work our project and go from 30 to 60% and lose the other two, hmm. or stay at 30% and keep the other two by working them. And that really was a decision, a tough decision for their exploration manager, because what we were drilling into was 
pretty significant mineralization immediately close to the infrastructure of MacArthur River and immediately adjacent and on the same trend as their latest discovery in the Amazon. Right, okay. Okay, understood. And by not participating going forward, do they lose any of their 30% option? Uh, yes, they do. Uh, and uh, we're, we're finalizing that now, but yes, they have diluted from that 30%. Um, we're out at the moment looking for other people to come in and jo join us to take some of that loss that they took out. Uh, but we're still waiting for them to commit to 2020 drawing. So we'll know that in the next week or so. Okay, so let's talk about this money you've raised recently. It's about two and a half million bucks. In the in the market, was it in the market? Yeah. Okay. We're in the, we're we're in the process of raising two and a half million dollars. Oh, so it's not closed. Uh, we, yeah. Right. Yeah, it hasn't closed at this stage. So, mm -hmm. um, and and it's it's a we would like to raise more money to drill more into here, but we look at the structure of our company uh, to go and drill this summer to show that we had more uranium than what Cameco had. We've doubled the size of the target. We've, we've doubled the amount of uranium in the drill holes, 8% versus 5%. To do that, we had to take a leap of faith and we did a significant dilution of the company. We'd sat with a 33 million share company for six years. We went to 46 million shares issued by getting the money to do that. Mm -hmm. um, because our share price was down. There's very little interest in the uranium market. Everyone's been doing other things. So now when we're back again, our share price is still down. So we don't want to raise too much money to dilute our shareholders. We just need enough money to drill those three or four holes that will show that we've now got the center of the time. But why do anything? Why why dilute, dilute at all? I mean, you're early stage, obviously. You know, you, you, you think, you believe you, you've got something there, okay? And your track record and experience says, says to you, I, I believe we've got something there, but in the current climate, it's not like you're going to hit this cycle anyway. Why not wait out for price discovery, presumably next year? Why, why dilute? Why do anything? Why not hunker down? Well, we, we can hunker down. This project has 20 years assessment on it. Um, but when you see the mineralization and you see the size of the target, this has the potential to have well over 200 million pounds of uranium in within a footprint that's 300 meters either side of where we are now. But and you, it may be even larger than that. But do you think your current shareholders care? Do you think your current shareholders care? Don't you think they'll say, right, just wait, just leave it a few months, the share, let the, the spot price recover, our share price will recover as a result, raise money at a, you know, with better terms. Was that a consideration? Absolutely. Absolutely a consideration. However, we've announced to the world the discovery that we have. And we have an $8 million company. We don't want to lose this opportunity for our shareholders. If we do nothing, then it, there's an opportunity for an interloper to, to take away our project uh, because we're inactive. If we are aggressive and drill those other half dozen holes, we can show the market for certain what we've got. Right now, we're close, we're not into it. It's $2 million worth of work of which Cameco will fund their percentage. Well, that's what we're expecting. Okay. So in reality, for $1.5, $1.7 million of expenditures, we can take this company back to its prior capitalizations and greatly exceed that. 
So I think our shareholders are looking for us to do something. We understand the target. We have complete faith in the target. We have in this one zone, we now have uh, about $6 million of drilling and we know what it looks like. Okay. It's just uh, not quite there yet. And so if we can take it over the hedge, we will be the front runners. Okay, so let me just sound the logic there. You talked about interlopers and losing the assets. So you've got financial obligations on the property. Is that, is that what you're telling me? No, we don't have any financial obligations on the property. Uh, if we don't uh, fund our share of exploration, Cameco could f- step up and fund that share of exploration. Uh, however, if we don't do anything, we have a company that has uh, $1.4 million cash in at the moment. Uh, at some stage, we will need to finance, you know, but I see the opportunity here with one or two drill holes to drill into the center of the target in the space of a month and a half. Right. And that will not significantly dilute our shareholders. Right. But the upside for our shareholders is many multiples. If we don't do that, we become weaker and weaker because it does cost money to pay your fees and keep your corporation running. So what, do we do nothing? Well, I don't, I don't know. So what, what, what's your monthly burn rate if you hunker down? Or what's your mon- monthly burn rate now? And if you decide to hunker down, what could you get it down to? Our monthly burns around about $100,000 a month. Right. We had it for some, some considerable time at forty dollars to $50,000 a month. Mm-hmm. Yes, we can hunker down. But that's, that's a complete waste of resources given what we already have found in the last drill program. Mm-hmm. If we had to raise more money in the last drill program, we would have continued drilling after those last holes. It's the, it's the eternal problem. Do you take the money when you can get it, or do you try and be anti-dilutory and take it as you go along? And the, mar- and the market is, gives you the answer to that sometimes. Well, that's right. I, I think the market's come to us, and, and a number of people have said, we would like to join you. Uh, we understand the uranium market. You have a large land position. You have a new discovery. You've mm-hmm. got all the infrastructure around you. Uh, we're loyal shareholders. We want to stay with you. And if I say this new blood can come in and invigorate our company and help our existing shareholders, I think that's a better approach than just saying, well, we're going to sit in the corner for some time. Yeah, it, like I say, and, and, and only time will tell which, which what was the right thing to do. But no, I, I, I understand and I appreciate that model and it has worked for other companies. Um, I just want to understand your thinking and your logic as to how you're proceeding for your shareholders today. Okay. Um, appreciate that. So you've got two point five million bucks. You you've got Cameco's hopefully Cameco's contribution towards that. What does turn what does that drill program actually tell you at the at, when you finished? What are you hoping it tells you? Uh, we're hoping to have a, a significant intercept with higher grade uranium than the eight percent we've already drilled. We also would like to see a, a wider width of mineralization. We know that between the drill hole that with the last drill hole we drilled and uh, the drill hole that is just to the east of there, there's a 35-meter offset in the unconformity. Now, we don't quite know where that is, but we think it's at that uh, graphite horizon, which is about 40 meters behind us. Mm. Uh, When you have broken rock, you can host more uranium. So within 40 meters of us, we think we'll see a lot more uranium. And certainly the zoning we've seen already has told us that. But during this summer, we did one outlier drill hole. We, we held off some of the drilling and said, let's step off 300 meters to the southwest. 
because we see the line of the, the conductor. Let's see if we can find similar mineralization 300 meters away. And when we drilled that hole, we drilled it at a low angle to pass about 500 meters above the target. And when we did that, we hit almost 0.1% uranium 500 meters above the target. That's a very high grade bleed up from something that's below us. So we're very confident that not only will we see mineralization 40 meters behind us, we will see it as we go to the southwest along that 300 meter long zone. If I look at MacArthur River, that 600 million pound uranium deposit, half of the mineralization, 300 million pounds, is in a zone that's about 90 meters long along one of these type of conductors. Right. We believe that we have a very large target not because of the airborne geophysics or the ground geophysics or the geochemistry that we've sort of collected around, but because we now have drill holes into it that show us five to 800 meter zones where it's completely saturated with half a ppm uranium. And it's also overprinted with copper and nickel mineralization, which is the characteristic of the excess fluid that's gone away from the deposition of the uranium. Right. We have a pretty good idea of what these models look like. And to leave it at this stage, uh, our journey is just starting the next three or four holes or fill the tank, we'll drill these holes, and I think we can make a discovery that's uh, world-class. Okay, so that's the geological hopes. What about for the company? You do this drill program, you find the next tranche of data which allows you to build this model, paint this picture, as, you, as it were, for the market. What are you going to need to do then? Go and raise more money, presumably, because you, you need to continue to define it is what you've got. When, when does all that happen? You know, my, my game plan here is that uh, we, we convince people with, from the next drill program that we have the potential for something far larger than 200 million pounds of uranium and, uh, and get them to spend the rest of the money. You know, we own a large percent of this part of this property. Uh, there's no harm for us to bring in another partner to do to earn over 50% of this project uh, by carrying out all of the following work. If you found another MacArthur River in our area, in fact, they've found at Fox Lake, which is pretty significant. If you found another MacArthur River, you'd have no problem finding many groups who would want to develop. Uh, when you have a um, very high-grade uh, uh, monomineralic uh, deposit, you know, you can plan to build 50 or 100 nuclear reactors and sell them around the world um, because you have that in reserve for the next 20 or 30 years. We're in a very stable area where if you find these deposits, it's shown that you can mine them. Politically, you're, you're correct there. And the reason why we had the, the Japanese and the Korean uh, companies funding us is that they build nuclear reactors, but they don't have the uranium to go with them when they sell them. So it's not just about the uranium to run our reactors here. It's about selling nuclear reactors around the world. And if you build a reactor, you might get three or four billion dollars for it. If you can supply the uranium, you'll double that. Okay. And so strategically to find something that's great. No, yeah, no I, I understand the macro story and the, the, the thesis, but I'm trying to, again, for an $8 million company, which is where you're at today, you've got to spend some money and move to the next stage. But you're saying once you've done this next round of drilling, you can have conversations with strategics 
because you'll know more and you would hope to bring someone in at that point. You've no desire to go on and build this thing out. No, no, our, our whole model is to be the explorer, take that capital gain for our shareholders in a space of one or two or three years and then move on to the next project. We have other projects that we'd work on. Uh, get this one, it, it could sit on the shelf then, but I think uh, the response from the market from a significant width of uranium mineralization uh, will be uh, quite good for our shareholders. Okay, and when do you hope to close this two and a half million? Uh, we expect to close it uh, by the 19th of December. Okay, so you, you you must be reasonably close to you know hitting the levels that you need. Um, what's been the tough sell in those conversations? Is it the macro story or is it specific to your asset? Oh, I think the tough sell this at the moment and, and previously is people saying, well, when's uranium going to move up? Uh, maybe I can put some more money into an alternate uh, situation and, until that actually happens. And I'm saying, you know, you really have to be a little bit contrarian. You have to be there in advance of the horde that want to get in through that door into the uranium market. We're sitting here with a very well-structured company with a large number of shareholders is saying we're holding our shares we have made a very significant discovery and with a small amount of money we can take that to the next level and if we do that over the next three months we'll be the front runner in the in the outer basket for a new discovery and what do you think has gone wrong with the story because if i look back the share price from september it's you know it's in, it's in sort of steeper decline than the rest of the year. What, what, what are people not getting about this story and what are you hoping that they do understand? You know what, there's some been strange things happening in our, in our uh, trading patterns over the last, uh, I can say 12 months. Mm. Um, there are a lot of shares trading uh, in houses that we don't normally see those shares being held. Mm. Uh, we talk to our major shareholder groups and they still have their shares. Uh, it's very interesting when we see the amount of trading, you see one or two, three million shares traded, yet the largest shareholders out there with 1.8 million shares and the next ones were five to 800 million shares. And I know that 10 of them or 12 of them were there. Mm. Um, they're, they're, I, I get very frustrated with the market showing a number of anonymous trades, you know, three million shares traded under anonymous uh, over the three or four weeks after we made our best announcement ever. Um, uh, that's why I want to move forward with this company. You know, it's ready for our shareholders to step up, and ready for new shareholders to help us get forward rather than someone playing our market. What are your options if uh, you can't raise this 10.5 million? Well, as you said, I can just sit there. We've got enough cash to do something, but uh, we're out there talking to a number of people. And, and even at this last minute, uh, if I don't spend this money that we raise because I find someone else to drill that project, uh, I have another project that we're ready to advance. Okay. So and but, but that's not something you're spending a lot of time on right now. Your, your focus right now is Can Alaska. Oh, that's right. No, no. These we have uh, about six uh, pro uranium projects, but we have three or four nickel projects. I, I really want to focus on uranium. Um, the, there's a there are two projects that I really like in the Athabasca. One is the West MacArthur project, and the other one is about a hundred kilometers south. It's called the Green East project. On that project, our Korean partners had funded twenty million dollars of exploration. We found eleven uranium zones. They're at half the depth that we're dealing with in MacArthur River. So we can get twice as many drill holes into them. But we've seen the same sorts of haloing in there at early stages, but two kilometers of alteration. So I would really like 
to have another partner come into West MacArthur because we, I think we've got at the stage where we can see the target. It won't take a lot of work. And whether we own 10, 20, 30 or 40 percent of this project, it probably doesn't make much difference. You know, people only give you a valuation for the first five years of a resource. Um, so yeah. get someone else in there. We're continuing to work on that. No, I've seen it. Well, you've seen it work with Mike Silver. They're, they're not complaining. Um, so, yeah, okay. Well, Peter, thanks very much for that update. It's the first run through for certainly all of our subscribers and followers. Nice to hear this story. We should, I know we were going to meet in London, but you, you were unfortunately um, delayed. Um, but stay in touch, certainly with regards to this fundraise, and we look forward to um, hearing more about how you're developing uh, with the, with the uh, strategic partners as well. Appreciate your time. Well, that's great, Matthew. It's great to chat with you. You know, I, I think we do have a target with a tail and, and we're just going to move forward with it. Thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed the interview, why not subscribe to Cruxcast or our website, cruxinvestor.com, and of course, our YouTube channel, Crux Investor. Plus, you can catch us most days on Twitter and LinkedIn. We really love getting your feedback, so please keep it coming and we'll speak to you again soon.